The UK's privacy watchdog, the Information Commissioner's Office, citing a serious failure of security oversight by a company, has fined TalkTalk £400,000 in relation to a breach that it suffered in late 2015 that led to the compromise of personal details relating to 100,000 customers. Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor for Information Security Media Group. To help me discuss some of the lessons learned from the TalkTalk breach, which, to be fair, is like so many breaches that we have seen before, I'm speaking with David Stubley, CEO of Scottish security consultancy Seven Elements. David, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Looking at TalkTalk, just as the latest in a long line of breaches, what are some of the takeaways for you that would be actionable lessons for other organizations to avoid finding themselves in the same situation? Well, I think one of the primary ones that we should be looking at here is that businesses aren't actually learning lessons from other people's breaches. And clearly, we've had a long history of SQL injection attacks against very big, well-known brands over the last decade. And I do think that CEOs should be asking themselves some very key questions of, are we susceptible to this? What have we done to see if we are, and how do we remediate, and how do we gain assurances that actually we're not carrying that exposure? And I think that's the first challenge that businesses should be pushing on themselves, is to learn those lessons before they fall foul of something that we've seen countless times. And that will go some way to hopefully in the future sort of reducing that exposure. But equally, if we take TalkTalk as a reference case and the ICO's evidence that they've pulled together, clearly it was a systemic issue. It'd been there for a long period of time. It was actually down to the fact that they'd acquired servers and services from a merger with Tiscally. It points to the fact that uh, due diligence wasn't being done well at acquisition points. And maybe that's another takeaway there that businesses, when they're doing technical acquisition, need to be assessing the risks of that acquisition equally and taking steps to gain assurances that they're not adopting technology that's going to open them up to these issues. Reading the investigation that was published by the ICO Mm -hmm. just seemed to repeat a lot of what we've heard before. One of the factors, including a MySQL database for which there was a known flaw, the database wasn't patched, and that was, the ICO said, how the attacker bypassed the authentication on the database pretty common, right? It is. And this comes down to a lack of rigorous patching and configuration management and hardening of systems. And it's not good enough to just deploy a system and leave it. You need to repeat that effort. You need to make sure that it's maintained, it's up to date. You are applying security patches. In this case, there was a known patch that could have been applied but that hadn't been applied. And you should be taking steps to test that you're not susceptible to these common exploits. You know, if you had done any degree of manual application security testing of that front end. It is a test case that we would test for. You know, it's a test case you'd expect anybody to test for. And in fact, an automated tool was able to find that vulnerability. And if you've got automated tools that are able to exploit weaknesses trivially, then you're opening yourself up to attack. You know, you're de-skilling the level of the attacker's ability and knowledge to do that because the tool will do all of the hard work for them. So I think it does point to a lack of patch management and configuration and then gaining assurances over time that you're keeping up with the current threat landscape. How difficult is it if you are a wannabe cyber criminal to learn how to use these tools? I mean, there's theoretically online resources, etc. Mm. How does one go about mastering these sorts of things? So uh, it depends on your skill set and your premise of what you're trying to achieve, I suppose, as an attacker. But you have, in my mind, a pyramid of skills at the bottom end where you've got the highest volume of people that very low-skilled script kiddies often referred to in the press who don't really understand coding, don't understand code languages. They're not able to customize what they're trying to do. They do follow scripts. But those scripts are out there. You know, YouTube videos, how-tos, PDFs, blog articles of follow these following logical progressional steps and you can follow them the tools make that quite easy so at that level you can teach yourself very very quickly how to 
hack, if you want to call it that. I suppose it depends really what your objective is. If it is purely just to cause damage, then there's lots of tools out there. The tools get more difficult to use or customize them and to do them in the right way to achieve an objective if you're a little bit more of a targeted individual. But the easy tools, SQL injection is one. Your SQL map is a commonly available tool on the internet with lots of how-to guides, YouTube videos that you can just follow step-by-step. And if the application that you're targeting it against has that weakness and it responds in the way that the tutorial is telling you to interact with it, you will have success. The difference is if it deviates from that and you don't have the skills to understand why it's deviating, that's where you get that natural barrier of somebody's skill level holding them to a particular course of activity. Now, you mentioned SQL map. That was mentioned by the ICO in its Talk Talk investigation mm. report. And for me, that begs the question, could, should an organization such as TalkTalk or anybody else with a SQL database set some of their own people loose with SQL map to see what they find and thus what their vulnerabilities might be? You have to arrange it correctly and manage what you're trying to achieve and constrain it to the right approved people within your organization. What you don't want to do is have an entire organization running around with access to hacking security related tools because clearly you can have some adverse effects on the, on the network that you weren't expecting. But no, it's either an internal security team or an external consultancy if that's how you bring your skills into your organization. These are tools that should be being used on a semi-regular basis. Continual vulnerability management, simple SQL injection attacks that are easy to identify with an automated tool would be picked up by vulnerability scanning tools and platforms. And one of the top 20 critical control areas is continual vulnerability management, which calls for vulnerability assessments being done on a basis periodicity of what you decide from a risk-based point of view, but certainly monthly, quarterly, that type of time frame. And you should be running these tools and they will find those types of, of attacks. And yeah, absolutely. There's probably not a good reason to not be finding them. So if it had any degree of testing, you'd expect it to have been identified. So just some very basic, kind of the same things we've been saying for a while now, steps that organizations should be taking to understand what's in their IT infrastructure and then how it could be broken or compromised or bypassed. Without doubt, we have all of the skills, all of the technology, all of the approaches is clearly understood, articulated. We have security frameworks out there for a reason. You know, ISO 27001 as a standard, as you know, lots of control areas in there. And they talk about patch management. They talk about hardening builds. They talk about maintaining the build at a standard that's going to keep defending itself as time goes on. So it's nothing new. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're not coming up with something excitingly out there. But you know, it's just stuff that we expect people to do from a cyber hygiene perspective, get these things done. They're basic controls that should be in place. And any large organization has the means and the ability to deploy these. Now, we don't know what's going to happen precisely with Brexit Mm -hmm. and complying with Europe's or the EU's general data protection regulation. But that mandates breach notification. It gives regulators some pretty big penalties to play with Mm. in order to get people to comply, especially if they think that they were willfully negligent Is this going to be changing the discussion, do you think, in the next few years? It's certainly going to have an impact. I'm not too sure how positive or negative that impact will be at this stage. The challenge for me is that even in certain regulated industries where they have a requirement under their regulatory status to disclose if they have compromises or breaches, there still is a degree of not actually disclosing. So people, even in regulated space, may not tell the regulator that they've had a breach. So How do we translate that out to a business that isn't regulated but is mandated by a wider requirement? Are they going to follow the mandate? So are businesses actually going to follow it or not follow it is a different matter as well. I think, unfortunately, it'll probably be picked up by the vendors and be used to sell products, which is always a pet hate of mine. And it does feed that FUD that hangs around the security industry. And that's something we definitely need to get away from. I can see that it could go both ways at the moment, and I'm still unclear myself. David, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you. That was brilliant. 
For ISMG, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thank you for joining us.